The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Dynamic Healing with two experts in chronic pain, David Hanscom and Les Aria. This podcast will show you how to unlock your body's ability to heal. Just breathe and learn how to rewire your brain and break free from chronic pain. Welcome to Dynamic Healing Podcast. I'm Les Aria. And I'm David Hanscom. And we're here today to talk about a process called pain reprocessing therapy. And today we're gonna give you just an overview and then Dr. Arya has a video that we'll link to in the show notes that goes into the five parts of pain reprocessing therapy. And it's interesting because it's what we do anyway, but it's nice to organize your thinking around pain reprocessing therapy because there's data that now shows that it works. And Dr. Arya and myself have known for a long time that this works, but it's nice to see the world finding out the same thing. So the purpose today is to introduce you to the latest brain science evidence that the majority of people with chronic pain can become pain-free or experience a major reduction in severity of their pain with something called pain reprocessing therapy. We call it a PRT. So we're excited about this. This, again, our message over and over and over again, why Les and I are so passionate about this, is that you don't have to suffer like this. You just don't. You don't. And uh, let's start off uh, our audience with a very, very important quote from someone very famous. So um, sit back, audience member. And David, um, don't get mad at me about this. Uh, the quotes. <laughs> so right. by the way, less is my opportunity <laughs> to suffer. So I get to process suffering. Did you say suffering? All right, let's begin with the quote, folks. All right, here's the, <laughs> here's the episode's uh, quote. Ready? Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. And who is this quote by? Of course, none and the only Yoda. <laughs> Yoda is, hey, he's as little as I am, has the same big ears. And so <laughs> you may mistake me for Yoda, but I'm not. Well, this is a topic we've talked about a lot, which I think this is actually a really brilliant quote. And whoever the person is behind Yoda is brilliant because we all know that, you know, anxiety and anger are survival reactions. They're simply words that humans use to define threat physiology which means body's chemistry and anger is activated threat physiology. Anger is hyperactivated threat physiology and your thinking brain goes offline and you don't act rationally. You go from your thinking brain to your survival brain. So fear does lead to anger. Anger does lead to hate. 
then hate not only leads to suffering, it leads to a lot of really bad behavior. And that's a problem in our human experience, especially in this day and age. Absolutely, absolutely. So with that said, David, um, let's kind of hop into this is, uh, and then have you see, we can talk a little bit about uh, PRT here and maybe the study that was associated with it. So, so is PRT um, new? Is pain reprocessing therapy new? I, I really do not think so. Uh, David and I, and from Howard Schubiner to David Schechter, um, to Alan Abbas um, and many others that may not have uh, named here have been doing this kind of work. And I love how um, Yoni Ashar, the person that did the study on pain reprocessing therapy, uh, Alan Gordon, Howard Schubiner, these guys and came up with a design that showed that what David and I and many others are doing around the world actually does work. So this is one, this is one of the world's best studies done because it's a randomized control study. And David, in this study, um, what they found out was that people can become pain-free or have less intense pain and get back to life. And this study, David, um, is published in JAMA, General of American Medical Association. And it was published in September 29th, uh, 2021. And um, the name of the study is Effects effect of pain reprocessing therapy versus placebo and usual care for patients with chronic back pain, a randomized control study. And uh, David, anything else you want to add to that um, if you do recall the study? Well, it's a big study. They actually used what's called functional MRI scans where you look at your brain's activity. It was done very carefully, um, prospectively. They documented the patients. Dr. Schubert and Dr. Gordon actually personally saw the patients. So it was a really well, well done study done out of Boulder, Colorado. And um, I know Howard Schubner, by the way, is my mentor. I know Alan Gordon. I do not know Yoni Asher, but he has talked to our group. And what, okay, think about this carefully, it's called pain reprocessing therapy. So it's less pointed out that pain is a danger signal. And when it gets stuck in the on position, it's like a car alarm going off that doesn't turn off. Mm -hmm. And so, it's a problem. And so what you're doing, you're understanding that chronic pain is a neurological issue. You're taking and reprocessing the signal in a way to turn off the alarm, so to speak. So what they found out, they took 50 participants, they randomized it into people that were treatment, non-treatment. And they found out that 66% randomized to just four weeks of pain reprocessing therapy, really pain-free or pain-free at the post-treatment. So what we're going to do today is explain to you that this does happen. And by the way, there's many other studies that are similar to pain reprocessing therapy that actually sort of accomplish the same thing with the same different language around it. But bottom line is we allow you to give your brain cues of safety. People just flat out heal. Yep. And so there's all sorts of studies show 60, 70, 80% pain relief using the different techniques Dr. Ari and I have been doing this in our own version for many years with lots of success. So bottom line is, we'll say this again and again, chronic pain is a solvable problem. We also think that mental pain is actually a bigger problem than physical pain because we can't escape your thoughts. Mm -hmm. We also know that anxiety, depression, OCD, et cetera, are inflammatory disorders. And so as Les has pointed out multiple times over and over again, pain is a anxiety and pain are a physiological state. Your brain's inflamed, you're consuming resources. 
And let's, can you just give us a synopsis? Um, again, we'll link you to Dr. Arya's video on pain reprocessing therapy, but can you just give us an overview of what pain reprocessing therapy is? Again, the word, the key word to me is reprocessing. Yeah, I think that's great, great intro there, David. And uh, so what is pain reprocessing therapy hereafter known as PRT? So it's a, it's a technique, it's an intervention that trains the brain to reinterpret breaking that, reinterpret pain. So basically breaking your pain-fear cycle. And when you break your pain-fear cycle, what happens is your, you start to create messages of safety, as David was saying. When your brain feels safe, or your brain and body feel safe, you start to actually feel the reduction of pain by retraining it that what you're feeling means that there's no damage, there's no harm. Now, this is very difficult because very often as humans, when we feel pain, we tend to figure out ways to not engage in that movement or whatever is hurting in us. So we tend to avoid. So this, I just want everyone to know, it is human, you're not weak, there's nothing wrong with you. It is human when you feel pain to avoid it. So what this therapy does, David and the audience, is that it just teaches you to reinterpret what you're feeling is safe and there's no damage in you. Well, let me rephrase a, a little bit. I'm gonna be a little bit, um, I'm not trying to be difficult, Dr. Aria. I just can't. Yeah, I was gonna say, do you mean audience? I think he means he's trying to be antagonistic. David, go on. <laughs> that's, that's a harsh word. I'm just trying to be, I just want to actually highlight the point. David, David Yoda, you gotta think Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. So by the way, we do call Dr. Arya our guru. He does give cues of safety pretty well, except to me. I don't know why I get the blood. I guess you're focusing all that towards me and the rest of the world gets to be the guru. Oh anyway. my goodness. All right. all right, so I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> good, good. You're talking about anger and pain reprocessing. We are talking about reinterpreting the pain signals. Um, I mean, I'm thinking out loud here, but I do like the car alarm signal. So you said there's nothing wrong. There actually, there's nothing physically, structurally wrong, but there's something right. wrong. The car alarm, when your car alarm is going off, there's something wrong. Yeah. I mean, your brain's feeling the pain. You're hearing this crazy car alarm going off. And so what you're doing, you cannot do this, do this with mind over matter. Pain's an auto, pain is an automatic survival reaction. You can't control it. So that's where you have to use techniques to turn the alarm off. Yeah. So if you don't have the equipment to turn the alarm off, you can't do it. If you can't get into the car, maybe you can't turn the alarm off. So that's why you can turn the car alarm off, but it takes techniques to do that. That's why yeah. there's steps to it. Yeah. So Les, I think what I'd like to do today, what we have committed to doing today, just gave you an overview. And there's five main components that we'll just read really quickly. Then we'll touch on them for a few sentences on each one, but we're gonna take our next five podcasts and address each one of these in detail because each one of them is really important. Again, I don't want to just gloss over and say, well, there's five things to do for PRT. And so what we're trying to do is reflect what we do in our practice is that we're training your brain to turn off the alarm. And so um, Les, would you, don't just list the five things that we'll quickly go back and just talk about each one for a second. Yep, sure. I think that's great. Um, so what, and by the way, David, your comment is very uh, appropriate. I think that's very good because sometimes when the brain senses danger, it fires off. So that's what, And but I think I also like what you emphasized. 
when when it becomes when it comes to chronic pain, it's less about tissue structure and nerve damage in that sense. And so we're saying is you're safe. So I, I think there's rationality for the brain saying I don't feel safe. The the, the pain is felt in the body. And what um, this technique PRT or what we use is basically just to say is let's let's kind of show you how to reinterpret the pain. So let's kind of talk about the five components. Just an overview, high level. I'm just gonna. Uh, identify the five components of PRT. One is to educate you about modern pain science. The second thing is to help you gather your own personal evidence that, you know, what the pain does change from time to time throughout the day, especially during um, pleasant activities. The third component is leaning into pain. The fourth component is learning to address emotional threats. The fifth one is to create positive feelings and sensations towards what you're experiencing in the body. There you go. So I'd like to reframe that a little bit if I could, is that I've said for a long time that there's three parts to solving chronic pain. The first one is awareness. You can't solve any problem in life in the business world, construction world, medical world, your body, unless you understand what's going on. So awareness is always, a, always the first step. And in medicine, we tend to treat symptoms without letting you understand the entire process of what's going on in your body. So chronic pain is complicated. You have to become aware of the nature of chronic pain. You have to understand the principles behind solving it. And you have to understand your own situation. So the first two on education and gathering your own personal evidence is all based on awareness. How does the brain work? What are the principles behind solving it? What's my situation in relationship to these principles? So the first thing that really happens with those first two is to educate and gather your own personal evidence are really critical based on awareness. Um, the second thing is, is that I always say, it's like fighting a forest fire, chronic pain is complicated. Again, mental and physical pain are processed the same way. Mm -hmm. We have to fight every aspect and every variable at the same time. In other words, when you find a forest fire, everything counts. In chronic pain, everything counts. You can't just do one or two. You have to do them all, which is actually not so difficult. Then the third, the final step, I talk about the patient taking control, is that each person is incredibly unique. No two people are close to being alike. And so you have to take control. So the last one about creating positive feelings and sensations is your job. I can't do it for you. I can spend eight hours a day with you as a doctor. I'm not going to solve your problem. So three parts of solving chronic pain, just to reframe this a little bit, is awareness, deal with every aspect simultaneously, and then you take control. So let's just talk about the first two a little bit about the education, the awareness part of it, of educating about brain science, and then gathering your own personal evidence. And again, these are aspects that we're going to talk about um, separately in separate podcasts coming up, coming forward. So we'll talk about the pain science in the next podcast, but do you want to discuss about how critical education is. Yeah, absolutely. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive.
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, one of the things, David, that's probably the most important thing is to be re-educated about, you know, why do I still hurt? And um, very often, medical doctors and allied health professionals, including therapists and psychologists, physical therapists, they seem to help people manage pain. And one of the things that we are still working off the medical system, and I don't want to get you fired up and wired up here this morning about the medical system, but we want to basically tell audience that a lot of people who treat chronic pain really do not have the modern pain science. They keep using what I call common sense or old pain science. If something is broken, we need to be able to fix it. And as opposed to teach you to reinterpret the pain or unlearn the pain. So the first part is so important that you could go see a therapist, a psychologist, a doctor, and one of the things they'll do is they'll teach you to manage the pain. And what we're trying to do is it's not that there's anything wrong with that. There might be 20% of you that may benefit from that. But the majority, as David and I uh, share, this thought is that majority of people can get better from chronic pain. But learning about why you hurt is very important. And I want you guys to recognize this. If you go see someone and they're teaching you how to manage it, one of the things I'd like you to ask them is, you know, can I get better? And very often people have never experienced people getting better or becoming pain-free will often teach you to manage it. And very often these are my colleagues I connect with. So getting the truth about modern pain science is step one, David. Well, I want to just, can I disagree with you for a second? Sure, you, you, you've been doing it since the start of the podcast. So, but less, okay, so, okay, I'm going to go into the dynamic healing model for a second. So they're, they sure. are doing it wrong. There, there's a problem here. Yeah. So yeah. symptoms are creating by body's physiology. You, like Bruce Lipton points out, friend of ours, where the difference between a cadaver and a human being, what's the difference between a cadaver and a human being? They both have structure. Yeah, yeah. You have energy, movement, blood pressure, heartbeat, acid-base balance, you have to have action and physiology to create symptoms. So we're treating things as a structural problem and it's about the body's physiology. So managing this, just treating a symptom here and there is that with dynamic healing, you have your input or your circumstances or your threats. Remember it's a threat staying alive. Then you have the state of your nervous system which could be calm or hyperactive. Then you have your body's physiology, either safety or threat. So if you're in sustained threat physiology, your body's fired up and wired up, as you say, mm-hmm. you're going to get sick. That's been documented for 50 years. Right, right. So if you're treating just symptoms and you look, don't look, when your stresses are there, your body's going to put you in fight or flight. 
So you can learn how to process stress. You can calm down your nervous system. You can calm down the physiology. That's why it's a solvable problem. So in medicine, we're treating just symptoms. And so we actually learned this in high school, college, and definitely medical school about how the body works, and we are ignoring it. So you just fired me up. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, you, mean, you mean you were fired up already. It's all right. Uh, no, no, no I'm not fired up because education is a big deal. Yeah. And by the way, it seems to be edu easier to educate non-physicians and actually the patients more than physicians. Because when you have this set of concepts in your brain, this is structural, 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 it's hard to get people to change their minds. Absolutely. And, and, that's, what, and that's the point here is that is, you know, is... I want, I want our audience members to realize that there is modern pain science that says we know the pain signature in the brain. It's a variety of networks in the brain. And we know that people can improve. And that's the big goal of PRT is to basically say is, listen, there's modern pain science. And yeah. absolutely, if we can reduce the threat um, physiology in the brain and the body, that's, that's basically what PRT is saying. So right. the education part is to, to really, really emphasize, which I like what PRT does, what you do, what I do. I basically tell people that they can improve themselves because it's less about the structure and the tissue damage that they've been told they have. And so that's the issue. The issue is uh, not really in the tissue, no pun intended. The issue is really in the brain. <laughs> you like that? I slipped it I, in. I, just, I guess I, I slipped just it in. That. I, I got to wake up for a second. Okay, now you just woke me up again. You fired and wired me up again. All right. So, okay, second thing is, we want to talk about this in a lot of detail, is that there's a process about, you have to gather your own evidence. So my sense is that true healing occurs by connecting with what is. And so when you connect your own personal evidence, you have to understand pain science. You have to, you have to understand the principles behind the solution. But how do you relate to this evidence? What's your situation? And so I always ask people to engage with the healing process based on your skepticism, because that's what's real. So it's not about generating belief in Les Aria or David Hanscom. It's not about generating belief. It's about connecting with what is. So you've tried all sorts of things. You've been bounced around the system. Why should this work? And that's what's real. That's what you realize, your skepticism. So that's where you start. And then you just can, then you start working through your own processes, find what works, find what doesn't work, and you start creating your own pathway. But if you're just generating a belief system, you're not really connecting to what is. You have to become aware of your situation, your diagnosis, become connected to your skepticism, and just start to learn a new set of skills. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's the, the part that we want to do is the personal gathering of evidence is basically, do you notice when the pain shifts, um, when you're watching a movie and you're laughing? Do you notice when you're feeling physiologically safe? When you're sitting there enjoying a cup of tea, coffee, and, or maybe just watching the sunrise, or when you're sitting there on the front porch, and you notice that you sigh uh, with a relief. Uh, a sense of relief, and you notice that everything settles down, that's the evidence we want you to gather. We want you to gather when you lose it um, emotionally or when you start to cry, you notice the pain or intensity may rise. It comes back to the physiology, and that's what we're trying to get people to recognize. And, and I, I do agree with David that is when you recognize how much stress plays a role, that's the threat physiology. Gather it for yourself. And, the, and basically the, the take-home message of gathering your personal evidence as the second component of PRT is to show you the inconsistencies of how pain presents itself. Right, and I also tell you as a surgeon, I mean, 
nobody wants to miss a structural diagnosis. So I did complete workups on every patient every time. I didn't assume anything. So I want to make sure I don't want to make I want to make sure I'm missing a cancer, tumor, infection, or a broken bone. Right. So I'm really hyper about actually making sure there's actually nothing being missed. So again, the first two components, first one is education. Second one is what's your situation relationship to the data. The third one, again, is a very tricky topic about gently leaning into the pain. And my term for this is walking into the pain. And let's mention something earlier that um, caught my attention is that breaking the pain fear cycle, because what we know is that fear is actually inflammatory. And we know fear of the pain actually makes the pain worse because as you increase your inflammation, you increase the speed of nerve conduction. Your brain itself throws off inflammatory proteins called cytokines. So you have sensitized nerve conduction, doubles of nerve conduction, the brain is sensitized. So fear of the pain actually makes the pain worse. So as you actually just realize it's not going to be structurally damaging and you start leaning into the pain, it's a huge step forward, which again, on a given person is very tricky because the pain is really unpleasant. And actually to ask, to ask you to lean into it is really challenging. My personal experience, I've had, I call it walking into the pain. I have really bad knees. Less watches me gimp around different days worse than others. Mm-hmm. And that's a story we'll talk about on, on another podcast, but leaning into the pain and not being afraid of it is a big deal. I mean, what are your thoughts, Dr. Arya? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, Dave and I were talking about, um, you know, if Sarna was listening to this, Sarna would probably said, nope, just, you know, just run into the pain, not walk into the pain. Really? Uh, yeah, John Sarno, oh yeah, John Sarno, you know, his books and everything else. He just basically said, just do it, you know, stop doing this, stop doing that, just get up and move, you're safe. Um, or he didn't even say you're safe. He goes, you know, you're fine. You just, you know, get up and move and walk. Um, you are not damaged. What we've learned over a period of a couple of decades after John Sarno, uh, we'd say the grandfather of this mind-body syndrome, um, things that we're talking about here is that we now have enough evidence to show and, and psychology studies show us this. Some of us have a more vigilant nervous system. We have a brain that's a little bit more alert, um, highly anxious if you wanna keep it simple. People with trauma, developmental trauma, chronic traumatic stress, just day in, day out, day in, day out, um, when we get people to just kind of jump right into the pain and say, you know, just move, you're, you're safe, it tends to be more activating. It is as if you want someone to touch a dog when they've been afraid of dogs because they were bitten by a dog and just simply put your hands on the dog. That's going to create an adversive reaction, which then reinforces them not to engage. Coming back to pain, the reason we say gently lean into the pain is because we want you to feel a small succession each time when you connect with the pain so we can actually reverse it. Now, research shows that when you actually have successes, small wins, when you actually lean into something of discomfort, you get a dopamine hit. The same way that you avoid something, you get a dopamine hit. It goes both ways. So to kind of reinforce your brain circuitry, every time you gently lean into something that is of discomfort, learning to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations, actually helps the brain reverse the pain in stepwise process. So this is why it's important to do this. So in Saul Lane, you would talk about educating the brain. Again, once you understand it, it's not such a mystery. You can feel safer. Then you get your own personal evidence that, yeah, I'm really okay. Then you can gently lean into the pain and know that you're safe. Again, it's an intellectual exercise at first. 
eventually with repetition, it becomes more embedded in your nervous system. And then the fourth thing, which is a big one, and I'm Dr. Arya is going to spend a lot more time with this than I am, but assessing the other emotional threats. And I'll say one thing is that we don't like to feel pain. I mean, why do we, that's a danger signal. None of us want to feel pain. But again, they showed under UCLA and other centers that emotional pain is processed the same way as physical pain. So why do you want to feel emotional pain? And you don't. So your brain automatically represses it. That's an unconscious action. Suppression is a conscious suppression of emotional pain. And what I've learned from Dr. Aria and also Dr. Alan Abbas, in my own experience, and I'm not remotely as bad as some people, a lot of times our past trauma is so severe, it's overwhelming. You just can't deal with it. Yeah. So um, the emo that's so when we're talking about assessing emotional threats, it's not different than the physical pain. It's the same thing. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, I want to go back just to one step here uh, in the third step about gently leaning into pain, and I'll come back to the um, fourth thing, addressing other emotional threats. In leaning into the pain, the main intervention here that showed changes in the brain is basically somatic tracking. Somatic tracking is basically to help you feel safe when you're experiencing the sensations and has components of mindfulness reappraisal uh, through the lens of safety. So basically when you're feeling something, gently leaning into the pain basically says, kind of notice where you're feeling that uh, discomfort, that tension in your body, that sensation in your body, just watch it, observe it, and uh, and slow your breathing down, remind yourself that you're safe, and actually kind of, like I said, recognize that, you know what, all is well, that there is no damage in you, that this is the brain's way of being protective, and your job is to basically be with the pain, slow your breathing down, and remind yourself that you're safe. That somatic tracking, if you're interested in it, um, on the video link that David will have attached to the show notes, take a look at it. It's towards the end of the video that I have on my mindfulness channel. Coming back to um, the fourth, and then we'll hit the fifth one here, David. The fourth one David was talking about um, is addressing other emotional threats. And the way we talk about this is a lot, David, I, I've say, I talk about this in my video and you've talked about it too. Sometimes people want to get out of pain, but they're not wanting to deal with their life reality, their life issues. When you have a loveless marriage, when you have work stress, when you have financial concerns, when you have a lot of things or rearing your child or you don't have a child that's very difficult that you're raising, who you're raising, I just want you to recognize this, is get help for those practical issues. Very often those practical life pressures issues are creating this threat sensation in the brain or activates it, which then gets deposited in the body. And so what David and I are really saying here is this is, if you have trauma, depression, anxiety, unprocessed grief, life problems, deal with that, get proper help. And then when you do this pain reprocessing stuff, it actually gets better. So it's not that you're using pain reprocessing therapy or any techniques that David and I have and offer you to get better with pain, deal with the threat that's there. Sometimes my patients tend to ask me, what's the next intervention? What do I need to do? And all this while they're not addressing the depression, the unprocessed emotions of grief. But I think the problem is, as you pointed out, is that they look at the emotional threats and physical threats as different entities and they're the same thing. Correct. Right? 
So the thing people forget that the brain itself is a very, very physiological structure. There's 80 billion neurons. Each neuron is attached to 10,000 other neurons and they don't even touch each other. They're separated by synapses. So the brain is a, it's a massive beehive of cells that communicate with each other. It's incredibly physiologic. You communicate by neurotransmitters. It's not a circuit board. It's physiological. So when your brain's inflamed, again, emotional pain is felt the same way as, I'm sorry, processed in the brain in a similar manner to physical pain. So your brain's fired up, it's hyperactive. And then again, people actually in some ways have more trouble dealing with the emotional pain than they do the physical pain. It's a big deal. And we're going to spend a, a lot of time on that later. And then the final one, which I think is really critical, and I think it's just where actually healing occurs, is that we've found ways to process anxiety, anger, emotional pain, physical pain. But the real healing occurs as you move into the positive circuits. And with neuroplasticity, there's ways you can actually stimulate your brain and move into these positive circuits. It's like learning a new language is that the default language is survival. The new language is, I call it an enjoyable life. And it's like trying to learn French. You're not going to learn this new language of French by trying to fix your English. You're not going to learn this new enjoyable life by trying to fix your old life. You've got to practice the new life. Mm -hmm. And we have a little saying that Les and I have sort of talked about back and forth is to have a good life, you must live a good life. It takes practice. And so again, it's not positive thinking, it's a positive outlook, creating your vision, stepping into it. But what you're doing as you start living and practicing this positive vision, you're structurally, you're causing structural changes in your brain. Any thoughts on that, Les? Yeah, that's exactly right, David. And um, we'll wrap this up here shortly. I think you really nailed it there. Whatever you do or don't do, you're making changes to your neurocircuitry, your brain and body. So I think that's a wonderful thing. Dealing with what you need to deal with is really important. And David, I think the, the last component here is basically learning to have um, positive sensations with it. It's pretty hard to think of positive sensations or to feel safe with what you're feeling. That's really difficult. But the PRT and techniques that David offers and I offer and many other, including Schubiner and Elena Boss and others is basically, here's this, is when you experience this, I sometimes, here's an example that Ellen Gordon uses, which I really like. When you feel a burning sensation in your body, when have you, when, when's another time you felt that? So think about getting into a hot tub. He uses that example. So if you get into a hot tub, there's this burning sensation, but it's really kind of good at the same time. So just shifting your framework and bringing in different experiences when you've actually felt the same sense. Um, when your body aches, when, imagine when you were going to the gym and things were getting better and you, know, you get the body aching, but you know you're moving towards growth of your muscles. So what Alan Gordon and others offer basically is the fifth component is to have this positive, positive sensations of reframe of what you're experiencing. So in doing so, we create more positive versus negative or fear of the physical sensation. So we create a sense of safety, create positive feelings and sensations that are associated with your current pain. So one more time is when you think of the burning sensation in your back or legs, imagine that you're in a hot tub and that shifts the brain because the brain has a different context and it tends to cue up a sense of safety. So I'm just going to read off the five components just to close up our episode here. And then um, 
So the first one is education. We talked about that the, there's a lot of, there's thousands of papers now on the current neuroscience of the brain. Uh, unfortunately, modern medicine is not paying attention to it. That's a big problem. Second thing is we urge you to take control and gather your own evidence. And my feeling is that this all starts with your doubt and skepticism and you just gather evidence to the contrary and keep challenging it. The third thing is gently leaning into the pain. And Dr. Ari uses a phrase that I hardly agree with is that no matter what you do, learn to be kind to yourself. And we don't do that very well. Yeah. Um, the fourth one is that, and I, the reason I'm a little bit react, reacted to this is addressing other emotional threats because we keep thinking, well, this is a psychological issue. And they're really, whether it's physical pain or emotional pain, it's the same threat physiology. So it manifests as, as anxiety or maybe heart disease or diabetes or obesity, but chronic inflammation is the issue. So emotional threats is just a subset of just pain in general, but physically emotional really being the same thing. Then the fifth part, which is really the true healing is using tools to move into a positive life. And that's again, is a learned skill. So in summary, we learn how to process this massive survival circuits, anxiety, anger, and pain. It's a million times stronger than your rational brain. But once you learn how to process that, then you have the power now to move into your rational brain. And what we're excited about, what drives us to be doing this today, um, is that we see people not only heal, but they thrive at a level they just don't know even what to do with. It's unbelievable the stories we get to see pretty much every week. Yeah. So we're excited about it. And so that's our message today. In the next five podcasts, we're going we're to go into each one of these separately because what it actually is, I'm going to look at this right now, does reflect what all of us do basically to get people better. It's how people shift into safety. Yeah. Fantastic, folks. So that's a wrap for today's um, episode. We hope you enjoyed it. And David and audience, think Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Could we just, could you? Yeah, <laughs> All right. Thank you. Um, have a great day. We'll talk soon. Take care. David and Les would love to hear from you about today's podcast and any ideas for future topics. You can email them at david-les at dynamichealingpodcast.com. That's david-les at dynamichealingpodcast.com. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.